Welcome to the Own Your Choices, Own Your Life podcast. I am your host, Marsha Van Weinsberg. I'm a business coach, speaker, and author of the best-selling book, When She Stopped Asking Why. On this podcast, we will use the tips, tools, and strategies used by myself and our speakers to break through and overcome the challenges in our lives. When we take radical responsibility of our choices, create boundaries, grow our courage and practice self-care and letting go of what isn't ours to control, we can completely change our stories. When we take full ownership of our stories, we take back our personal power and this allows us to impact, serve and support others by showing them that they are not alone and helping them find freedom from their stories. When you own your choices, you truly own your life. Let's dive in. Welcome to another episode of Own Your Choices, On Your Life. And today we are speaking with Neldy Germain. Neldy and I connected in another mastermind. And after hearing his story, I knew I wanted to have him on the podcast. Neldy is a black creative artist specializing in large visual projects, community initiatives, and pop culture commentary. Neldy is recognized as one of Montreal's most influential people, and he leans into his Floridian identity when it is relevant to the conversation. Most recently, Neldy can be seen contributing to La Brotherhood Talks and Lululemon's The Huddle Event. His work has been featured in online publications, printed on the cover of magazines, and displayed in museums. This proud father of two is a lover of bacon, hater of mayo, and bringer of hot takes on his podcast, The All Dress Special. This is a really powerful episode, and it is probably my longest podcast to date, and I think that we could have continued even longer. When we booked this podcast a number of weeks ago, this was before George Floyd was murdered by the police in Minnesota. And as we all witnessed it, we are in the, pro- in the time right now of watching the protests that happen worldwide. Like this has become a worldwide issue because it is a worldwide issue. And we spoke very candidly. Nelly shared so much with us. I'm so proud of this episode and how, what value he offered to everybody. He spoke a lot about his resiliency, what his upbringing was like, how he has really grown into who he is now and what he is here to do by sharing his story. And I love his mantra in life is, you didn't come this far to only come this far. We always have more in the tank. We always have more that we can do. We can always make an impact. We can always step up more, dig in more and become more and impact more. All of us can every single one of us. So I'm so grateful that I had this time with Neldy and I know you're absolutely going to love this episode. Welcome to the show today, Neldy. I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. My pleasure. So let's help everybody get to know where a little bit more about you. Where are you from? I was born and raised in Montreal, Canada. Uh, shout out to Saint-Michel and also, um, have some of my formative years in West Palm Beach, Florida. Oh, in West Palm Beach. How long were you there? Half my life. So Half your life. Okay. I, from eight to, geez, late 20s. Okay. Really late okay. 20s. Okay. So what do you think of winter in Montreal then? I like it. You like it's it? Not, it's not for me. <laughs> oh, my skin doesn't do well. I, I, it's, it's just, I don't know. I don't know how people survive here. 
I don't know. And Montreal is just, it, I love Montreal. I love a lot about it, but it is just that much colder. Montreal is by far my favorite city ever. Like I mm-hmm. live and breathe and I will die in Montreal. Like, you know, but mm-hmm. I, the cold is just oof, not for me. <laughs> I understand. Wow. I understand. Oh, are you a reader? Yes. Avid. Adamant. I like that. Can you tell us an impactful book for you? It doesn't. Um, the 48 Laws of Power. That one was, I think, the first one where I sort of decided that it was time for me to take ownership of, like, me. I mean, things wouldn't happen for me if I didn't decide to do them. Yeah. Nice. Do you have a rough idea of how old you were when you read it? Early 20s. Okay. Early 20s. Yeah. Nice. And then most recently, um, Black Privilege by Charlemagne de God. That was probably maybe two years ago that I read that, I read that one. And that's another thing that made me think like it's, it's a privilege to be who I am. And I have, I have, um, how do you say this? I'm, I'm blessed to be here. And I, I, yeah, I, there's much to gain into who I am. That's beautiful. Do you have a favorite quote or something that a mantra that speaks to you? Uh, I, I say it a lot. Like I, I know, you know, and I know like uh, a lot of people have heard me say it, but it, it's, uh, I didn't come this far to only get this far. I, I, I said, I've read this really young. I've said this to my parents when I was really young. I don't even remember when it imprinted on me, but it's always carried me to just go further. Like it's never where I am now. It's how far I could go Mm. because I will, you'll be told you can only do so much and it's not true. You can only, you can always do more. You can always be more. You can, you can always push yourself to be somebody better. Yeah. I love that. I love all of that. Is that something that I know that is a big part of you and who you are? Is that something you've already told your kids? Yes. I mean, I, I tell them every time. I, I, I Sometimes I feel like I'm telling it, telling them too much. At <laughs> <laughs> some point where you feel like it, the more I say this, I hope they don't rebel like, because I say it too much. But I, I do think that like, the best of me is in them and, and yeah. I see every day and the, the amount of things I can imagine them doing is endless. But I also know it's their choice of what they're going to be. I just want them to always want to push themselves to go further. I, I never want them to feel like they've reached their, they've reached their plateau. There's no such thing. They can always do more. I love that. I love you said that because I think of when you think of parenting kids, the best of you being in them. And I used to tell myself that there are times that the, those qualities will make amazing adults, but mm-hmm. wow, can they be a pain to parent? Yep. <laughs> right? Yeah. Cause I mean, it's like you're molding, you're molding a, a, a person that should be better than you. You're trying to make someone that's like, that will reach way further than you could ever. So one, first, you have to reach those heights for them to like surpass you. But two, as much as they have the best of me, they also have the same issues, the same worst of me also. So you have to like kind of mold that, not out of them, but like to 
steer them to mold that into something like great so it's yeah. it's tough sometimes you're like oh man i see myself and this is going to be rough like teenage years is going to be tough because i was not i was not a calm teenager or a calm child so like i i, I can tell mm-hmm. so this is going to be an issue later this is going to be okay well we're back talking now it's going to become full fights later on but you need those things for them to learn to become That's- more vocal more confident later on so it's it's all things i know i'm going to have to do that's awesome. Yes, I can completely relate. Do you have a favorite mentor or somebody who has impacted your life? It could be somebody you know or don't know. Uh, a favorite mentor, it has to be. But I don't think she meant it to be my mentor, but it's my mother mm-hmm. by far. She never sat down to say, or I never sat down to just write down or or like she took me under her wing and whatever else, but it's more like everything she did imprinted me in life, whether or not I accepted it as a teenager is I didn't because we, we butted heads a lot, but the older I got, the more I understood. Nice. And, and it's just the way she carried herself throughout my childhood. And even now is just, I, I don't think, now I could have been as strong and and willful as she is. Like mm-hmm. it's, I don't. She's one of a kind. Absolutely That's beautiful. That's beautiful. We'll make sure mom hears that. <laughs> <laughs> what what lights you up? What is something that lights you up? Music, <laughs> music every day. Music is my my. The first thing I listen to in the morning is the sound of my kids uh coffee and then music i like having music around me i like i like a good song lyric i like good good sounds i just Mm -hmm. music makes me like just it makes me it puts me so much in a mood to create anything let's say it's and every whether it's old songs or new songs i just i'm just always fascinated with like how someone can take something that's just a tune or just like something in their head and put it into an instrument and then put a full song that could impact everybody. It's crazy mm-hmm. to me. Like, it's, it's amazing. Do you play any instruments? I used to play the drums at church when, mm-hmm. when my mom used to force me to go to church. I <laughs> <laughs> didn't say that. Yeah, yeah. She won't like that I said that or whatever. <laughs> play the drums. Um, a little bit of guitar, but like, I just... I. Not that I wasn't interested, I was, but it just wasn't the the setting for me to learn, right? Like, it, church drum wasn't what I wanted. I didn't want to play gospel songs, not that they're not good. Like, I, I there's some stuff I listen to, but it just wasn't what I wanted to do. So it was never conducive for me practicing. Mm-hmm. I, I, my oldest son um, loves guitar, and he picked it up and taught himself through YouTube videos. Yeah, and I loved for the years that when he was here at that time, and even now, and I just loved hearing. It. I love hearing mm-hmm. it in the house. Yeah, and I remember once saying to him, "Do you want to maybe sign up for some music lessons?" And he was like, "Why?" I've got to figure it out. I can just play. He was playing at that time was Red Hot Chili. Zeppelin. I love it. Yeah, that's fine. We put my son in piano lessons. My Mm -hmm. daughter too, but she, I guess she was a bit too young. She just, it just didn't click with her. Uh, We put him in and he's really good. Like he, it's, it really helps him focus. 
But I also think that it might not be long until he decides he doesn't want to. Like it's it's still like forcing him to sit down and actually listen. It's not. It's not. (laughs) The personalities come out. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. Right. Oh. So we talked a little bit about you've already kind of alluded to a few things. Talk (laughs) a little bit growing up. What. Like what, I know you're creative now yeah, and I'm sure that was always part of you, but what was it that you did that really separated you in your teen years? What, tell everybody what you, what you took on and you became um, quite known for in your teen. Oh, uh, I used to be, man, I used to be a professional skateboarder and I mean, I started early. I think I must have been, I, I mean, I started on a skateboard. I was seven. Mm-hmm. I was seven when I started skateboarding and I was nine or 10 when I started doing competitions. And then I got seen in a few competitions, like recurring by some people and they were asking about me about my, maybe my parents didn't really know what it meant, but they just told my parents, Hey, you can get some free t-shirts and stuff. We started doing more and more competitions. And then I got signed at 12 or 13 as a pro okay yeah i was young and then then i just started touring and doing more competitions and get big and big sponsors and it was good i was still going to school i was still oh man i was doing that and my father was really into boxing so i was doing that too so there was a whole lot of things that i was doing but my constant was always skateboarding but i i as a kid, it was fine because I didn't know what it, it was just what I was supposed to do, like just doing it. As a teenager, it became all I had, meaning you're just supposed to do it and it's just supposed to be, you're supposed to always be good and you're supposed to always place in the top five or whatever else and be seen and whatever else. And then later, in my later teenage years, I just started to hate it because it wasn't me. Mm-hmm. It yeah. just it was just not fun. It it just not that it was a job because as a job that's a cool job. It just wasn't fulfilling. Like mm-hmm. it wasn't what I wanted to do at all. And then I had pressure from my parents because my both my parents are are well, my dad's American, my mom's an immigrant from Haiti. So to her, it was mostly you have to be you have to be you have to do a real job like a doctor or because skateboarding wasn't a real job to her. It was just something I was doing for fun. She just didn't really know how much money I was making until I started paying for stuff. And mm-hmm. then once you are started paying for stuff then she, to her, it still wasn't real. It was just more like that's going to end. You need to fall back on something. I was just going to say being not real means it's going to end at some point. Yeah. Right? To her, it, yeah. Cause it wasn't a real thing. No one is known in Haiti as being as an athlete or skateboarder for things like that. It just wasn't real. It's more, you needed something stable like something in North America that was stable. So honestly, she would still be happy if I would, if I became a pharmacist to her, even what I do now is not a real job. So ask you it doesn't matter. She doesn't care. Like it just, but I, I quit. I, I think I, I retired for good at, 22. Okay. So almost 10 years. Yeah. I did. I gave it like 10, 11 years, but I think I quit like in my head. I 
was probably in 1890. Yeah. And then when I, I actually, it, I was done. My body was still going, but I was done. Mm-hmm. But I, I also knew fully that I, I was creative. I just didn't know how to put that out. That's the thing. I just didn't have an outlet or someone to tell me, hey, you should be doing this. Listen, I had inklings of things I was doing. You know, you do videos and you you take some photos when you're on the team. And like I, I like I had a small camera and I had the, the you know Polaroids and stuff. So Can you I imagine knew, what you could do I, now with your iPhone. It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. But I think also that having those things back then helps you for now like it's i feel like it's too easy now like you can erase and change the colors and whatever else but like having framing sense that's some that's that's just in you so i it, it was in me i just didn't know it's like you don't know what it is like it's inside and you just like i see things differently i just don't know why and i don't know how to put it like no one told me this was a job until way later way later where I was, oh man i should have been this like, where's where's my art teacher well i had one art teacher who said you should but i just again it, it didn't seem like it was a real thing mm-hmm. do you can you go back even in high school and you think of like how you learned and what you did like oh he's gonna laugh <laughs> what, was, what was that like as like because i know creatives i mean they they do think differently it's, they don't always fit, well, not always, rarely fit into the box of school. I and do. there's nothing wrong with them as a creative. It's just they don't fit the same. It's just, I did not, it's not like I wasn't, it's weird because I think of school as I was just there. It wasn't like I was doing badly. I was in school and it was fine that's not even true or it's not fully true. If we're talking high school, the beginning of school, the first two years of high school, uh, when I started in Montreal, because the thing with my parents, they split when I was eight. So mm-hmm. I used to do half the year in Canada and half the year in the wow. States every six months. And me and my brother were separated too, which it's, it was the nineties. So it didn't make sense how they did it. So my mom had me, or my mom had my little brother and my father had me. And then we would just switch every six months. So wow. me and him would never see each other. Aside from like maybe the end of high school when I decided to just stay in Montreal for a little bit. Mm-hmm. But the early days of high school, I was doing what I was told. Because you just, it's your, your parents tell you you have to go to school or you get in trouble or whatever else. So I was just doing what I was told. So I was getting decent grades, but not, I don't remember any of it. Like, mm-hmm. I think my first two years is just blur. Mm-hmm. I wasn't a popular kid, but I wasn't a kid that was in trouble yet. That's the I thing. That. Sorry, then, yet. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then third year of high school, or end of second year of high school, I met some friends. Mm-hmm. And those friends, not that they're bad kids, they weren't. Yeah. It's just more um, me going back and forth. Like, when I was in Florida, I had a set of friends that were just we were in a poorer neighborhood than Montreal. So it was rougher. So it's like, I, I'd seen some things already. Like I, by end of, how old you are, man, I think that's 12 or 13. I already, since I was skateboarding, I was already seeing gang violence and people using drugs and me having to worry about like, uh, 
like what route I was supposed to take, like going home. And since I was skateboarding everywhere, like you were not just the kid who was just you're the black kid, you were the black kid who was skateboarding. So we were already the outsider. You're the right. Canadian kid who's there only six months and then you show up. So you're already not in, mm-hmm. not out. It's just people kind of leave you alone because you're doing okay, but they're also like, you're different. Yeah. And then you come back to Canada and you're the kid no one saw. So in 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 terms of like, and I want to see the kid no one saw is sometimes I would come back after six months and people wouldn't even remember that I was not there. So it was just well, like and six no, I mean now it sounds silly, but six months in that in that time frame, those ages, things change constantly. Things so fast. So yeah. But when you're 12 or 13, it's like, well, you don't remember I was gone. So it kind of sucks. But I was doing my thing. It was just more, it didn't matter. Mm-hmm. And around 13, 14, that's when I started getting into the neighborhoods where my mom was. They were not as good. Like we were in St. Michel. St. Michel was, is, at the time, was known for like just pure violence, pure, which not in terms of like crime more in terms of like the neighborhood keeps to itself mm-hmm. so we keep outsiders out so it's all i knew so to me things were normal it's just i didn't know they were crimes you just did what you needed to do yeah. so like my my i had a job outside of skateboarding where if i wasn't doing competitions i was home and you used to just have a backpack on and you would go to somebody's house someone would put something in your backpack and you would just route to somebody else's house and someone would take something out of your backpack and the reason why they would do that is over on house arrest so they weren't allowed to go from places to places so you would just use kids to evade cops and just mm-hmm. pass through and give each other stuff and then there was i remember like one time where i wanted to see what was in my backpack and you weren't supposed to see, right? You're just supposed never, to take, right? You don't ever, look. Got you it. never check. You just do your route. So you get to yeah. the other place. Someone gives you some money and then you go home. But I stopped and then there was a gun in the bag. Oh. It's not like it scared me. It's more yeah. like I stared at it and went, well, that's just life. Yeah. So then I kept doing it. And I think the only, the reason why I stopped is my mom came home once and she saw a whole lot out. She saw where I would put my money in and she said, where did you get that? And then I had to explain to her what I was doing. And then she marched down to like somebody, the person's house where I was and she just told him, not him, he's not doing that ever again. And my mom is four foot two on a good day. And she came in with a baseball bat and it's like, they knew like, don't mess I with this her. Guy. It's just, but that was, life then like it was just you were we were just doing things to just do things it's like it's, it's the amount of things or the amount of people that i know that are not there anymore or yeah. that are in jail or whatever else i'm i'm lucky to be where i am mm-hmm. but i also easily could have been any of them mm-hmm. easily it yeah. sounds like that so where did life navigate you then eventually to become where you are now I traveled. And that's the thing with skateboarding. It was a lot of traveling. And because there was a lot of seeing or escaping what I was living, mm-hmm. I got to see how other people lived and how either me wanting to 
want things for myself, meaning I could see what other people, how are the people living and me, me going, maybe I want these things for myself too. And seeing that made me go, well, how do I get those things? It's not going to be handed to me. Yeah. Then that means I'm going to have to work. I have to claw myself. I can't say claw myself. I have to get myself out of this situation mm-hmm. that I'm in right now. Because I don't think poverty or where I was was bad. I think no one should be poor. Mm-hmm. But I don't think my neighborhood, we still had like, I, I had very nice memories of like, like friends and playing basketball and like having parties and people hanging out at my mom's house. But we also knew we were poor. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the part. Like I, I felt like I needed to not be in this situation anymore and that I needed to like, I, again, I knew I was creative. I just didn't know how to get that out. But I also knew I needed to be out of the house. Mm-hmm. So that's when around 14 or 15, I, because I needed to travel and my mom couldn't go with me. She, she already couldn't stomach going to competitions with me. And she, we just decided that the, the best the opportunity for me to see things and to like try to take control of what I'm doing with my own life was to get emancipated. Mm-hmm. And then I wouldn't have to, I wouldn't have to depend on her for like living or like going to school or like just, I could be my own person. So that I was still going to class and I was sending back money and I was trying to, and I was, it was my way out, mm-hmm. which I thought it was my way out at the time. At well, the time. you're 14, 15 years old. This is what you see as yeah. you uh, Yeah. And then you get also, you have your managers in your ear telling you that's the, the best thing to do and whatever else in hindsight, you, I would think if I had something, somebody better that wasn't trying to take advantage, yeah, uh, life would have been different, mm-hmm. and I would have also had way more money. But at the same time, I don't think I would have learned anything. So I think, I mean, things happen the way they happen. So I think it, it was, it's a good thing that uh, they happened the way they did. But yeah, I went through a few hardships after. There was a lot of uh, a lot of partying, a lot of waste of money, a lot of people uh, demanding or putting pressure on me to be the person who was a provider, and that was rough. That's a lot of pressure for yeah. a young, like for a young mid-teen age. Yeah. yeah, that's a lot of pressure. Yeah. Can you look at some of those as you think of those years and the pressure of those years, how they've made you who you are now? Um, it made me resilient. That's the thing. It's more like I, in the beginning, it was fear of if I don't do it, everybody's going to fail. If I don't bring money home, everybody's going to go poor. Everybody's going to go in the streets. We're all going to die. I have to succeed. But then it became, I'm doing these things out of my own skills and strength, my own thing. I, if I, if I can do these things, you can too. It just means that you need somebody to show you. I'm not, I'm not supposed meaning like I'm not supposed to do this by myself. That's the thing that, that I was always thinking about was like, every time someone was going, I need money 
or I need these things, or you need to do these things. And I was like, well, why can't you do these things? Mm-hmm. Like, well, because you're the one doing them. Cool, but you can also do them. Mm-hmm. It's not just me. Like, I need this money to pay rent. Why? Because I don't have a job. Why? <laughs> then it was just more like you can get one. Like, I have one, I have two or three or four. Like, I'm doing all these things because I'm doing these things, but I shouldn't. You're the adult. Like, I'm I'm the child. You're the, right. I'm still a teenager. Like, even yeah. I think at 16, 17, I was like, I'm 16 or 17. I'm watching all these other kids hang out at malls and not Be that kids. I wasn't, but like they were being kids and I was just yeah. being an adult. And I was like, I have all these bills. I don't even know what bills are. And like, <laughs> what are we what are we doing? How come you're not doing this? You're the adult. I'm not supposed to do this. And then it just kind of clicked that like. I'm not, not that I'm not supposed to be here, but I'm not supposed to be this. That's a lot of pressure and a lot to carry for that age. Oh, I, and still, I still carry it. <laughs> I, I'm trying to not. Yeah. There's moments where I'm, I'm very not conscious, but I'm trying to like unlearn that it's not supposed to be on my shoulders. Mm-hmm. Isn't I, I I don't remember the quote offhand, but really like growth is more about unlearning what we don't need to do as opposed to learning more. We keep thinking we have to learn more yeah. in order to create change, and yeah. so much of it is about unlearning what isn't yeah. working. Yeah, and I think also for my teenage years, there was a lot of. I mean, there was one teacher, I one or two teachers that told me I was going to go to jail. Like you're not going to, you're never going to leave high school. You're never going to leave this neighborhood. Oh. There's one teacher in Florida that told me, I know where you're from. I know where you live. You, you're not going to make it. And, and you can tell me, is this, is this a case of I'm trying to motivate you to actually do something more? No, it's not. This is a case oh. of, this is just like, this is where you're from. Yeah. This is the territory. Yeah. This is where you're going. This is what's going to happen. You are going to be a teenager that is going to either work at a factory. You're going to become an adult that doesn't do anything. It, I I was told I was going to fail. And I remember even that young going, you can't tell me I'm going to fail. If you tell me I'm going to fail. That's, that's my mentality from probably, I, I remember at five years old when I learned to ride a bike, my dad told me there is... There was, I'm biking, I'm learning to bike. There's a tree in front of me and he told me to swerve. If you don't swerve, you'll hit the tree. And I told him, no, the tree's going to move. <laughs> and did the tree move? Absolutely not. But <laughs> I drove, I pedaled as fast as I could. And I mean, as fast as I could, right straight to the tree. And it wasn't like it was a thick tree, but it split. Oh, of course it split because it, see that? Split. Exactly. <laughs> it split. So we were, I cried. <laughs> I had I had to get uh, stitches and everything, but I remember telling my dad that see the tree moved. Yeah, which is not accurate, but in my five year old mind, <laughs> it was well, it moved. So that means if you tell me no, I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to make it so it's not. You can't tell me no. So someone telling me that I was going to not be somebody. Mm-hmm that I was going to fail, even though you didn't see me try. You just saw me fail a bunch of times or saw me backed off to you or didn't think that the path I was going, that you didn't, the path that you 
thought I couldn't do, meaning you have to be this person to be successful, mm-hmm. that if I didn't pick that, that means I would fail. And that's it, that in my mind, it just didn't register. You couldn't, you couldn't say that to me. Like it's not even an option. Like that's just not even an option. Yeah. It was, it wasn't an option for, not even an option for me to fail, meaning I, I was young. I was like, you know what? I, adults, people live long. I, I have all this time to do things. And two, who are you to tell me I'm going to fail? Like, who, who what are you talking about? <laughs> this just didn't make sense. Like, I, I, that's, I'm sure at the end of high school, end of high school, and this happened in Montreal and in Florida, and two different teachers. One was a, one was my history teacher, and one was my homeroom teacher in the States. They both told me, and that's the same year, which is weird to me, that I was not going to be somebody. And I remember going in front of the class and yelling, you'll regret saying this. I'm going to be somebody. Like, you will regret saying this. I don't, you, I will make it my life's mission to become somebody just to prove you wrong. Like, it just didn't. I did. I did. I did. I, I did. And I just, I remember even like when I was told, one teacher told me that you were, I wasn't going to pass high school. And not that I had bad grades. I had decent grades. Mm-hmm. I think I had one year where like I, I, I scoffed off a few things like every teenager that's whatever. Mm-hmm. But I, when I got my diploma, we both stared at each other. He handed it to me and I just, I didn't say anything. I just smiled. I just smiled and I walked back. And I remember my mom, because my mom also, that same teacher told my mom I wasn't going to be anything. And my mom, my mom yelled my name. You're four for two, mom. I love it. When you got here, when you graduated, she yelled your name from the crowd. Oh, she yelled. Oh, Oh, she yelled. And we just, I just looked at him. I smiled. I grabbed my diploma and I went right to my mom. Mm-hmm. Like that's just it. Just and I knew like it's it's like things reaffirm the things you think as a kid. You're not gonna tell me what I'm not what I can't do. Look, I did it. Mm-hmm. So it just pushed me to go further. I'm not going to be this person. If someone be you, I, I think I was 17 or 18. If you keep skateboarding, you're going to become a washed up person and whatever else you're just going to be a has been like, I'm not, a, I'm doing this to do this, but this is not going to be my end. Mm-hmm. It's not. So no, I'm going to be somebody. It just, just didn't make sense. I'm going to be somebody. And then that I just. Personality trait, right? Personality <laughs> trait has served you. Well, yes, it, it does. It served you very well. And I, again, when we talk about my children, they have that in them. If I tell them, something can't happen they make it happen they tell me no and it's and you know what they prove me wrong and that's fine great which i want them to and you do it just becomes a case of like damn (laughs) and you're watching them and you're like yep they're doing pretty much they're doing okay yeah but then all that to say like that yes as soon as i transitioned from doing something where I, I knew I hated it and I knew I was supposed to do art. And I think I realized that, I mean, I knew in my at the end of high school when, not end of high school and like start of 
I did university and I did college and I was like, yeah. I opened a math book and went that like never. That's just can't. That's not. I walked out of one class and then with you guys, that's what are we doing? It's like, what are you doing? It's like, I'm never going to use it. Never. Never. It's like we're doing integers. It's like, sir, there's never one time in my life that I'm going to use an integer. I can guarantee you. It's it's not gonna happen. It's just not. It's like, yeah, but math's important. I'm not saying it's not important. I'm sure it is. It's not my path. I'm not going to live that life. I know it. It's not no. We all have those courses. We have those courses in school where it's like, I remember we had to take um, computer programming. I mean, I originally kinesiologist by trade. So I work with human bodies. I remember sitting in class going, the hell does this have to do with anything? <laughs> and I go, why am I going to program something? It, and it was a program that was so old that wasn't even being used anymore. It was just, I get it. It's all part of the program, but it was just not. It just didn't make sense for my education. It's like, I'm not learning. Like, I'm not, this is not for me. In life, it's not going to work. And then I, I just, not that I walk, I finished, I mean, I graduated and everything. And and I just went, this is not for me mm-hmm. like, at all. I, I went to Florida State with a full scholarship. And I don't remember, I don't remember anything, like, because it wasn't for me. And then I came back home and was like, I'm going into arts. It's what I want. I, I've always, I always took pictures. I always took videos. I always had projects. I just never thought it was a job. And the moment I went like, this is not a job. And it's what I want to do. And the moment I just went, it's what I want to do. And things will happen no matter what. And it just, they just did. They just did. So that's, and I mean, that, what does, what do you do now? Can you explain a little bit more about what you do? I'm, it's funny because it's a lot. So I'm a, I currently work as a visual producer mm-hmm. for an AI company. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also just do visual products on my own, which is what I was doing before starting the tech, with that company. I also host a podcast. I I I take I'm a photographer. I there's just so many things. I I film clips and movies, and I, it's just it's a lot. I do everything that I want that's creative. So I. Was- I just gonna say that like you're doing so many different things it's like you're taking all the aspects of creative and you're doing them all like you love them exactly all. i just put if i w- wanted to say one thing is i am a creative mm-hmm. i'm a black creative i i do i just do art which is everything i wanted to do in life and sometimes it gets me in trouble because people don't like that you like what you're doing which is stupid i, I feel like that's weird yeah, some people want you to struggle. Like, it's they're not happy when you're doing the things you want to do. But I, I feel like if people were doing more of the things they want to do, they'd be so much happier. This money comes, like, just do what you want to do, just, or work towards doing the things you want to do. I think that's the best thing because you're gonna get there, and and it's it's going to be much more fulfilling than doing something you don't want to do just because you think it's what you should be doing, mm-hmm. which is insane to me. No, it's very, well, because people will chase money, right? We talk about like people will chase money because of whatever money represents, whatever yeah. we de- deem it represents and we'll chase money, but then be miserable like in yeah. what they're doing in their lives. And that level of being miserable just like spills into every aspect of your life. It just does. Cause you're not, you, you consciously not doing your best. I, no. think. I think if you're doing something where like any job where you're feeling like 
man, I don't like this. I'm just doing this because I have to. Mm. Like, you're not doing it. You're not giving it your best. You're not giving it your all at all. You're just giving it the, I have to do this effort. And that's the thing. If I do something that's like, when I do something that's creative, yes, some days I'm not into what I'm doing, but I'm always pushing myself to at least, because it's me. It's my own. It's I'm putting me into these things. So I, I make sure that I'm, at the end of it, happy with what I did. If I was doing something where I hated it, I wouldn't do it. If I'm doing a piece of art and that day I'm like, you know what, I don't like this, I stop doing it because it's not, it's not what I want. Again, it reflects itself in what I do. If I if I hate a piece of art or I hate the piece that I'm what I'm doing, it shows. You didn't take any time with it, yeah, because I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> I was just gonna ask that. Eventually, it spills into the fact that it shows that because you just you don't love what you're doing. Yeah. In, in, Anybody that at any position that doesn't like what they're doing, it shows up. If, if you have anybody that's high placed in a company and you can tell they hate it, it shows. Mm-hmm. They're not happy. They're just mad. They're, and that spills out into their employees and trickles down and trickles down and trickles down, which it doesn't work for anybody. I, if you don't like it, if you don't like your job, I, and again, not that, I, again, I'm privileged to be where I am. I get it. Because it's not everybody that has the choice or the opportunity to, I think. Good choice. That's the thing. But I I think there's also you try to work towards your best or your happiest self or your happiest situation. So it's life. You might not get everything you want. Because if it was up to me, I would just take photos and videos and that would be, be paid millions of dollars for it. But that's, you know, hopefully that's the goal. But like, it's not what's happening right now. You know what I mean? So, I do know what you mean. Yeah. You know what I mean? No, I love it because um, people will come to me and they're like, okay, so I want to build a coaching business and I want to do this. I want to do that. And they'll name all these things. And I'm like, which one do you actually really want to do? Yeah. And well, no, can I make more with this? I'm like, which one do you want to do? Because when you follow the path of things that you actually don't want to do, but you think it's a money path or whatever you mm-hmm. want to call it, then you end up like you, you're not going to put your best into it. Your clients aren't going to have their best success. It's, it's going it, to, referrals are going to suck. Like yeah. it just doesn't work. Yeah, it doesn't, doesn't work. work. Yeah. It's, no. it's a, it, figuring out what you want is a hard process. Mm-hmm. You have to fail a lot. You have to be very introspective. You have to... Internal. Yeah. It, there's, what do I want and what can I actually do? Like, I, I can I can sell myself on, like, I'm going to be the greatest basketball player ever, but I'm 5'8". So, there's some things I can't do. You know what I mean? Like, you have to yeah. sit yourself down to be like, well, maybe I can't do that. But what, what does that mean? Maybe I just like sports that much. I like the sport of basketball that much. So, what can I do with what I have? that will fulfill me into what I actually love to do. So maybe that's sports announcing, maybe that's coaching, maybe that's something else. So that's fine. Meaning that's what it will transition to, but you have to ask yourself, what actually do I want to do and what will actually make me happy? And that's what I had to do. I had to sit myself down and be like, is, is skateboarding what I want? No. Is that going to make me happy? No. Doing art was what I want. I like to take pictures. I like to talk. I like to hang out with friends. I like to say things that impact people, meaning I like to show people my story for you to come with me, meaning like you yourself and something I could say could 
spark something in you for you to do something. That's the part where I'm like, I, I think my biggest spark was I hated that I was always called upon to save everybody, like all this pressure on my shoulders. And I, what I wanted was like, look, this is what I did. Do it or find something in it that works for you and then come right up here with me. Like, we're good. Like, I'm going to help you get to here. The, whatever you're here is, because it, it, it might not be the same thing as me. Just whatever you here is, I want that. Like, whether it was through art, through whatever else, it was just, let me help you get to where you're supposed to go. See, I love that. And it makes me think of, I remember having a conversation with one of my sons and saying that my job is not to push and pull you through life. I'll walk beside you the whole way. Like mm-hmm. I would totally walk beside you the whole way, but it's not my job to pull you or push you. And if I do, then you won't end up staying here because it wasn't something you wanted to create. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't think there's, there's, it's tough because as someone of color who has lived in a poor place, there's, there's resentment if you leave. I was going to ask you that question. I wanted to ask you that. Is there, is, is, is that something you have personally, I'm assuming, come up against in the fact that there's a resentment towards you for leaving or for yes. having created what you did to leave? Of course. Yeah. It's, and I don't, I understand it. It's more, I, I get it. You, you still leave where you're from. And it's not more like, I didn't leave because it was bad. I left because there was more opportunity for me to come back with the information I have. Mm-hmm. So I think there's, especially in my circle, there's m- many more people now where we have the stories of how we did or how we got there and we brought it back to our communities so they can also build and go up. But that wasn't easy. Mm-hmm. I had to go through a lot of like, people telling me I'm a traitor, people telling me that I, I, you, you turn your back on your own people and stuff like that. But you, it's not like you do. It's more like if I don't reach a certain height, you won't know that you can reach a certain height. I'm not right. just leaving to leave. I'm leaving and turning around and going like, look, here's the rope and I'm pulling all of you. Like we're, we're all going together. You know what I mean? But, oh, you're not, you're not speaking about in a sense of judgment that I'm leaving because I don't want to be where you are. Because exactly. Of judgment. Yeah. It's what opportunity is there, but exactly. you also can't control how other people will judge. At all. But that's, that's what I, I, I think there's a quote from Jay-Z that says, I can't help poor people if I'm also poor. No. You just can't. No. So I can't help my neighborhood if I'm, if I'm not trying to gain in more information and gain more plateaus for myself to show that we can build a better neighborhood. Mm-hmm. When I, mm-hmm. it's the, where we are now is what the society, what society or what the construct of the society put us to. This is not where we want to be. No one wants to be there. No. No one wants to be in poverty. That's what I mean. But we all want to be together. I mean, that sense of community, we still want it, but it has to be somewhere else. Yeah, we have to try and fix or build our community to be better. But I can't do that if I'm still there. You know what I mean? Oh, I completely understand. Yeah. I 
I just, what I hear so much is of what you're saying is you've obviously done so much internal work because to have, when, when do we stop? Seriously, when do we, we don't stop doing the internal work. It's like, yeah. the biggest, I always say to all of my clients, the biggest job you're ever going to work on is yourself. Like if you yeah. don't, if that is not your top priority, you will always limit what success you, whatever you can achieve. It's, yeah. your, it's always you. Yeah. It's always, but it to has to start that, with me. Yeah, to have that, and you're doing the internal work on yourself, and then you're also being told you're not going to achieve anything. You're being told that you're going to end up in jail. You're going to be told you're not going to graduate high school. You have all the pressure of the world from skateboarding and, you know, carrying the load that you're carrying, and somehow you're still in this position that you are now, right? You're in this position now where you're, you are, I will call an impactor, and I will. And I think that, I think we all have the ability to do that in some way, shape or form and impacting others around us. And whether somebody wants to be impacted isn't up to us, but it's to show no. what is possible. Yeah. My, my, I think my only, not job, but my, what I feel like I should do is tell my story. Mm-hmm. I don't think it should. And if it works for you, if it impacts you in any way, then that's fine. If it doesn't, it doesn't. I, mm-hmm. It doesn't need to. But I would hope it does, meaning like I hope that if it reaches one person and it helps them go further ahead than me, then that's perfect. That's that's what we're supposed to do. Meaning if I'm at the point I am and I tell my story and someone it clicks with somebody else and they go miles ahead of me, that's even better because I can see that something is miles ahead of me and I can reach there. And that's better, meaning... I didn't know we could do that. Teach me this so that I can go. Mm-hmm. That, and that's what I want. I want like that we can keep going further and further and further as even a community society or whatever else. And that like, it, it's not just about me, like whatever pressure I had from everybody, I took that out. It, it, that was one of, it was hard to do. I had to cut a lot of people out of my life because it just, it wasn't good for my mental. It wasn't good for my body. It wasn't good for anybody to just have all this pressure. It just didn't make sense. So yeah. I just had to cut people out and focus on what I can do to make sure you have my story. And in my story, there's the tools for you to do whatever you want to do and, and get out your own way. You know what I mean? Like do you impact to make sure you empower yourself to do whatever you want to do. If I can leave any breadcrumbs that helps you good. It's just not my job to, like you said, I can't push you to do something. It just didn't make sense at all. Like, and I also can't be with you and I I couldn't be on the street corner with everybody. And like, we're going to, we're going to stay in the hood and I'm going to, it's fine. Like I'm, I, I'm glad to, have had and I still do have the mentality of how do you say this you can when you live in the ghetto you can take the boy out the ghetto but you can't take the ghetto out the boy yeah and I'm not out meaning that's how I feel all the time I feel like I'm always back home I don't care where I live I'm me no matter what I, I don't I've not become bougie. I've not become what I'm just me. And me is the person I grew up in, meaning I grew up in two bad neighborhoods. I'm still that guy. I still as petty as they come. I still 
that fire is still there, but I'm also older, so I know better. I know that it's some things are not conducive for me to stay safe or to keep my family safe or to keep my income safe or to keep anything safe. So I, I know better. That's just age. You know better. When you know better, you do better. Well, and I, I love that quote. Yeah. And I think that's, I, I mean, we hope that's the yeah. as, we, as we know better, that we do better. Um, and I think right now, as you, as you're talking about this and we spent probably 30 minutes talking, (laughs) which was, which was a very good conversation. Um, right. Is you, you're, you're in Montreal right now and we're watching what's happening on the news right now. Um, and you know, just share whatever thoughts you want on this right now, where we're at. Uh, where we're at is a tough question. Well, to air this, so when this airs, just so people have some context, yes, we are in the middle of COVID. Yeah. We're in the middle of like a lot of the, I mean, I think we're seeing changes right now in 2020 that I don't think we've seen ever seen before. before. I think, I think the question where we're at is tough because in some ways I still feel like we're, I think for racially, meaning, Again, I'm a black man who has to who's living as a black man and always lived as a black man yeah. his whole life and has always felt like things were not just. So I feel in some ways where we're still back. Jesus. Hundreds of years, it doesn't yeah. matter, right? No, it doesn't matter. But I also feel like we're at a point in history where we have more impact on what can happen. I think that there's more voices, that, there's more people standing up. There's more well, people going, it's enough. And I think that's where I, I'm I'm at in my life. It's I feel like it's enough. And I feel like we it's not just us. And I think that people are actually hearing us for once. Mm-hmm. Because we've been saying things are wrong and we've been saying that things need to change but we are a minority and as a minority you're not going to affect the majority it's up to the majority to go this is also wrong we need to fix this as the majority i'm in i'm a black man and we in as black people we've been marginalized we've been mistreated but even if all of us put together a vote or do something or try to do something. We can't change anything if the minority doesn't change itself. And that's the thing. I, I think that you hit it exactly on the head right there. That is, yeah. it. that is just, that is the golden nugget right now. What you yeah. said is the fact that, you know, as a minority, we can't change majority. Mm-hmm. Why do I think this is different? It's easy again for me to say, I see a lot of the majority as part of what's happening now, standing up saying, no, this is not okay. Exactly. And that's why it feels different. It feels very mm-hmm. different. I don't know where it goes and what happens, but I just know it feels different. This yeah, but I think it, it does. And that's, I think if we're talking different types of pressure, I think it's important to keep the pressure on people and on companies and on societal constructs where we said 
okay, we, we're all saying it's wrong, then what are we doing? What's the next step? We're not just going to say, let's not just do lip service. Let's not just do uh, Instagram and Twitter posts about like we're against whatever, we're against racial bias and we're against inequality. What are you doing next? What's, where are you putting your money? Are you, are you actually supporting causes? Are you actually going into neighborhoods? Are, are you actually changing how you do business? Like it's, it's not just about saying things are wrong because we all know things are wrong. We've always known things are wrong. Who doesn't know right now that things are wrong? Like I don't even. (laughs) It's, it's either you willfully ignored because it's fine or you knew when you looked away, but if you, or you were the one doing it or, or you change it. And I mean, at this point it's, it's time for changing. And if you're not on the side of we have to change something, then you're actively on the wrong side, meaning you're trying to just silence other people. You, there's no more, there's, there's no time to, you can't just be silent anymore. You have to actually change. And I think that's the, the, what's going to be interesting is what, not what happens now, is what happens in the next few weeks, few months, few years, where hopefully we have real change. Mm-hmm. I think that as you see the marches and the things that are happening and right now that it's a start, I think you're exactly right in that. I mean, you know, we we talk about a lot of different things on this podcast and show and, you know, it's a case of yes, change happens, but there are many times that I look at and go, okay, that's, it's great for today. But what does that mean in the big picture? Like I don't, one change today, I don't look at it and go, okay, great, we fixed it. That's not how this is. No. It's not even close to what's no. going to be required. I get it. But I think I think it's, I think the biggest impact is watching the younger generation move, meaning watching them be as angry and as active and as, involved as they are that's what gives me more hope that the next generation after them is not going to grow up like me is not going to grow up like things that that things are going to be better meaning just they're going to be the majority they're going to be the ones who say no this was wrong then we're not going to grow our kids to be like that Mm -hmm. so i think that's why i hope that like my kids don't have to do this anymore i think my kids i hope my kids kids if they ever decide to have kids if they want to or i don't know but whatever generation that's after me and after them doesn't have to deal with this mm-hmm. so maybe it's wishful thinking but i i think that because we can reach so many more people with technology that people are readily armed with camera phones that you see things clearly there's no more like hiding that's the thing there's no more hiding we see you we've we knew about this forever we told you but now it's it's in plain sight for everyone to see there's no more hiding nobody can hide anymore no and i think i think that's what makes this um not even more difficult of a story to see is you you have to know that at any point in time your your actions are being recorded like, exactly. So for it to continue the way that it did is mm-hmm. like, what is wrong? Like, what is, mm-hmm. how do you, it's, 
it's just, it's so, so unfortunate and sad in yeah. a sense, but it's definitely like everything is being recorded. So yes, actions are accountable and we just have to hope and pray that the right actions keep being accountable yeah. um, in the eyes of the law yeah. as they should be. Yeah. And I, and I think it's also important that people who do have bigger voices actually use them. Like it, that's what I'm doing now is I, like I said, I couldn't go to the march in Montreal because I have kids. I can't. I think as angry as I am, even from what I'm seeing in the States, I want to be there and I'm away because I'm living here. So it's it's uh, it's frustrating. And even the one in Montreal, I couldn't in good conscience go somewhere and something happened to me. And having that burden on my, on my children, I don't think I could ever. That wouldn't sit right with you. me. I was going to ask you if you went and and what your thought process was of going or not going. It's it's having the burning desire to go, but also knowing that or fearing that something could happen to me. And the only thing, fearing something that could happen to me because I have kids. If I was, if I had no kids, I would have been frontline. No question. No question. No question. But that's, that's the part. You sort of feel helpless until you go, well, what else can I do? And that's where I feel my voice and my art and what I do as a creative helps Mm-hmm. And also bringing awareness to things, bringing resources to people who need them, sharing what I know, sharing what we can do, if what what we can do afterwards. Like let's build things, let's keep the pressure, let's making sure we that the people that need to be seen are seen, the people that need to have bigger voices have the platforms to go there. So even if I'm not at the protest, that at least I'm doing something that helps. So that's where you shift your focus on. I I might not be able to be where I want to be physically, but I can still help in my way. And that's, that's just physical. That's all I was going to say. That's just a physical proximity of not being there. Mm-hmm. So then I ask you, what is it that the rest of us can do more of? Same thing. It's listen, learn, uh, amplify voices, give people platforms who wouldn't have platforms and keep, yourselves and everyone around you accountable and just things like being silent doesn't work anymore things like knowing that there's people who are actively doing things to make us unequal mm-hmm. it's not acceptable anymore no it's make it's not just i support you by saying i support you i support you by actually helping like I'm, I'm demanding that everything is equal. I'm, I'm supporting organizations that help making sure things are equal. I'm keeping my officials, my mayors, my governors in the states, every anybody, city council, anybody accountable for what happens, for what we can do. It's not just lip service. It's that's the thing. If you guys are the majority, use your voice as the majority because we need the help. We do. And I, I think that's what people can do. It's not just more things are bad. We know things are bad. It's what else can I do? What I, This is my voice. I have the privilege to do that. Let me do that. Mm-hmm.
I, I, I thank you for saying that because I think that many times it's like, I don't know what to do. And I think that um, I will just speak for myself and not from others. But I was like, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say at first. And then I did some reading and I came across um, the one Martin Luther King quote. And he was just that, um, and I'm going to butcher it because of course it's not in front of me. But it's basically like injustice um, somewhere is injustice everywhere. Yes. And that was the one And that silence is just, it's just, we can't have silence right now. Like exactly. silence means that we are okay with it, even exactly. though we're not okay with it at all. But that's what silence is. You read it like, you know, so many times as in my own personal challenges, I'm like, it really is this or that. Like you are choosing this or that. If you mm-hmm. behave this way, you choose this. And that's mm-hmm. that's fine. There's a but you own that that was your choice. Exactly. But it's this or that. So exactly. if you're being silent, you are part of the problem right exactly. now. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I, I think if you're thinking that I don't know what to do, mm-hmm. so I'm not going to do anything because I'm not I'm not doing anything bad. Right. It's just as bad as not fixing we're all in the same boat so if if all of us are trying to like to plug up holes and you're going like i don't know what to do so i'm just going to sit around and do nothing i don't see holes i don't, I don't see, see the holes i'm just gonna i'm just gonna look at the sea and then we're good we're they're gonna fix stuff we're good because i'm not doing anything i'm not putting holes so if i'm not putting oh, holes i'm not doing bad yeah i'm not doing holes so i'm not i'm not bad but you're not helping either you're not, so fixing, if you're not, the helping, you're not fixing the boat the boat's still sinking you're on the boat with us if we're all sinking, you might as well help. We're all going down with it. We're and I think that that's down. such a great example. Seriously. Oh, that's such a really good example. Because if, if inequality, we're all in the same boat. Thank and you. you can't have some people feverishly trying to fix the holes. Like not even just like patching here and there. Some people are just going feverishly trying to make a difference. Yeah. Yeah. We can't say that. if you're not helping me, then... One, why? And two, <laughs> we're sinking. We're all sinking. Let's just fix it. And then once we fix the hole, then the side of the boat needs to fix. I've got, once my holes are fixed, cool, let's fix the side of the boat because that's your issue. And then there's another issue. Well, we'll all go together and fix this issue. And then there's another, like, it's we're all on this boat and it's supposed to go somewhere. So let's all fix it one thing at a time. We're supposed to. It's not, that's the thing when people go like, well, I have my own issues too. We get it, but it's, it's not about that right now. Mm-mm. And now you need to also help us. We get it. Like help us too, not just sit idly by. I, I love all of the examples that you've just given there. And we talked a little bit before I started recording and I would love it if you would just explain um, just for people who are listening that when somebody says black lives matter and somebody jumps in and says, no, 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 but all lives matter. The analogy that we spoke about before. Uh, Could you explain that? Um, wait, what did I say? We were talking about the. I think we we're talking about the. Well, first the hospital, then we we're talking about the um, breast cancer. It's the fact that it's 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 one negating the other. Like so, if we're yes, saying exactly. Right? So if if you are saying all lives matter, right now it's not that all lives don't matter. They do. Mm-hmm. It's just that we are more in danger mm-hmm. right now. So 
am I allowed to swear on this thing? I have no yes. idea. Yes. <laughs> oh, okay, cool. Surprised you haven't yet. <laughs> oh, shit. All right. <laughs> well, let's go back. <laughs> <laughs> I, I said something to someone and I thought it was really good. So, like, we had, um, I had an ice cream allergy. Like, let's say I'm holding two ice creams and they both fall in shit. And mm-hmm. we, you, we, you pick them up, right? And one has more shit than the other, mm-hmm. right? And you go, well, this one's bad. That's the Black Lives Matter one. Mm-hmm. And this is the All Lives Matter one. It's not as much shit on it. Mm-hmm. But I'm asking you to clean this one and clean that one. Yeah. Because either way, if you don't, you're going to be eating some shit, which is stupid. It's it. just... <laughs> stop yes i think the one analogy for the all lives matter thing that i've heard that made the most sense to me was black lives matter is if i fall and i cut myself and i'm bleeding Mm -hmm. and i have a really big cut and all lives matter is you saying well i have smaller cuts too but right now i'm bleeding a lot i'm at the emergency room you have a smaller cut it doesn't mean that you're not bleeding no. It means that right now, if I don't fix my, if we don't fix my thing, I might die. Mm-hmm. Yours is still important. I'm not negating what you're saying, but let's fix this thing first and then we'll fix this thing and then we'll fix another thing. Mm-hmm. But it's, I can't, again, I can't, I can't argue with somebody who's saying all lives matter because right now they they're not open to actually listen. And that's the thing. They're that not your with, people. Can I say not like not the people who are backing to support what's they're not exactly. So if, if they're not helping, then I can't waste the energy on them. No, it doesn't make sense to me. It just doesn't. And, no, and it's, too much work to do, to be honest. It's too much work, and it's fine to have your own opinion. But the thing is, is like, you shouldn't step, you shouldn't divert a movement because of your own opinion. If you can see that everybody's trying to go to a goal and to try to fix one thing, whatever your ideology is, that's fine. But do that on your own, on your own self, on your own time, on your Grab the people you want to fix that thing. Go to your All Lives Matter rallies. Try to fix that. But right now, there's a whole lot of people and probably way more than your end trying to fix this thing right now of inequality in the Black community. Mm-hmm. Like It's just not... This needs to be fixed. No, this is... Um, what we saw happen is, to me, is a crime against humanity. And I'm yeah. going to say it's... Like, it's I, it, it's not that the color doesn't matter. It's a, it's a, it's a crime against humanity. And it's, yeah. and I think that's why we all have to stand together because, yeah. you know, somebody said, I just feel, I feel terrible. And it, it just, I feel so sad, so empty, so angry, all of these emotions at once. And I don't know what to do with that. And I feel really bad. And I'm like, well, actually, I think we should feel bad because this is, I think we should feel sure. angry. I think we should feel rage because, because it, nobody should, that shouldn't happen to anybody. It shouldn't. It should. No. But the thing that happened is that this shouldn't happen to anybody. And again, it was on camera. For the one George Floyd, yeah. there's 
a thousand more that are not recorded. So that I think is, I'm, I'm glad you said that because I think that it's, it's, and again, not negating George Floyd. It's just the fact of saying that this is something that is, I don't know stats. I don't know numbers. Um, I just know it's, it's significantly, significantly more than we're ever going to see on camera. Of course. But yeah. that's the, the thing too is sometimes stats don't matter because stat means that's something that's reported. If you're not listening or if you're telling me, it, you know what? Yeah, this thing happened, but the police officer didn't say anything because this the police officer just goes back to the precinct where there's another force, which is another societal concert where they'll protect each other. Mm-hmm. They're not here to protect us. So mm-hmm. when I walk around and I get stopped by the police in my neighborhood just to be asked, where do I live? Because I don't look like I'm supposed to be there. Those things aren't being reported. They're not. It's just that happens every two, three months to me where I, I, I'm asked, why are you here? Where do you work? Mm-hmm. And I'm older now. I know more, meaning like I have more resources to know. I don't, you're not going to talk to me that way. I'm going to ask for your badge number and whatever else and to make sure that this doesn't happen again because it's not, that's infringing on my rights, but not everybody knows that. No. It not every I when I grew up what we used to be stopped by cops and they used to chase us and like punch us and kick us and whatever else. That's not reported. That's not things that are reported. Those are just things that just used to happen. So stats they don't mean yes, that. they're indicative, but some things they just not recorded. If body cams aren't new, but body cams are they weren't prevalent two, three years ago, they weren't. People would just get the shit kicked out of him, killed and whatever else, and no one would know. They just wouldn't. Now we have these things where people, you can't hide. Mm-hmm. But then if you can't hide, then we have to make sure that what we see, we make people accountable for them. We all saw it. So now let's yeah. make sure that the event that happened, the murder that happened, gets tried as a murder and not at anything else. We all saw it happen. Let's not make, let's make it equal. If it was anybody else, it would have been a murder. That's what we're going to do today. Just because it's a black man, an unarmed black man that died, died, that was murdered, then that police officer, those police officers need to be accountable for what they did. 100%. 100%. Like I honestly, 100%. Um, you mentioned earlier that, and you know, I could talk to you all afternoon, pretty much have <laughs> we chatted for a while. Um, you have had some conversations and you don't have to share details. I just want to, as a parent, mm-hmm. um, what this is like and saying, you said to me earlier that you have had to have conversations with your kids earlier than you ever wanted to. Yeah. Yeah. How is that as a parent? And just I, if there's anything that you want to comment on with this, I just wanted to give you that chance. It's heartbreaking, but it's important. Meaning, no, it's an eventuality in my mind for any parent of a black child that at some point you're having, you're going to have a racism talk, a police talk, an inequality talk at some point. Sometimes it's early, sometimes it's late. For my daughter, it was this year when someone told her that her hair was ugly because it was frizzy mm-hmm. and she came home crying and that just, it, it fills you with rage, but also 
familiarity because I Remember. just knew you knew I know it would have happened. I just didn't know when. I didn't think it would be this early. So when my son asked what's the protest, my heart sank. Just I didn't I didn't want to have that conversation ever. I because I've had that conversation with my own parents, with my own mom, with my own dad about like blackness, how to live with your blackness in the world. And it's very, it's a very different relationship than other people who just have to, who are just allowed to just live. You have to live differently. And I didn't want to have that conversation, but I also know that it's a conversation that might save their life. Mm-hmm. That's the part that sucks. It sucks. It sucks so much. But I think, I think the understood, even though it's bittersweet, meaning I think you kind of feel like the, the, that nice shiny magic of the world kind of dims a little bit that they know something, someone could just not like them for their color, the color of their skin, which is not something they control. It's just who they are. And I don't think, I don't want them to ever feel like they're not, that they're lesser for their skin color, because they're not. Because I think blackness is a privilege. It's always been, I've always championed that, meaning I can do things that no one can do. My being black is the coolest thing to me. And I don't think it's it should be something that is hated but something that's celebrated like anything else like anybody else whiteness should be celebrated everything should be celebrated but i think that especially if you're black it should be something that in you you just feel is a strong sentiment so i never want them to ever feel like they're lesser mm-hmm. but things like this make it so much harder so much harder to explain it has to make it hard to explain i have to believe deep down that your kids have that much better of a chance because of the way that you do um, speak about it. It's not hiding. Like you're, I mean, like none of us have an open con- conversation about protests yeah. with their young, young kids and your kids are young, but yeah, yeah. also, you know what, if they come to you and ask, then that's a, that's a conversation yeah. that you yeah. have to fall through with. Yeah. That's the thing is it's at some point you just have to go, well, we're here. Yeah. Because they're not going to okay. not ask. They're not going to forget. They're not going to... Kids are curious by nature. They're going to ask. Mm-hmm. Ready or not, you have to You have to talk about it. So it's... Even though they're young, there's no way they're avoiding this conversation right now. No. It's like no. they just can't even turn yeah. on any I, social media. I, I, I've even thought that we weren't going... I thought we were shielding them enough, but I, I my kids are curious. They would have seen anyway. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm not surprised that we had to. I'm just... Again, I didn't think we would be this early. So it's not a shock. It's more like a, ah, damn, now. Okay, cool. Now's the time. But it's, again, I I do think, or I do feel like it's in my power to empower. There you go. So I think that being the way I am, I can make sure that they become conscious kids who can make good decisions and you can make sure that stuff like that stuff like uh 
racial inequality or people thinking their lesson doesn't affect them. No. I think that'll be fine. I, I, I thank you for sharing that. I know that that, um, well, no, I do. I really thank you for sharing it because I think it gives um, just a different context for people who are listening and hearing um, from, it's just, I appreciate, appreciate you being straightforward with us on that. What can I ask you? What impact do you want to create in the world? And your world can be your world of your kids. It can be your world and bigger picture. What impact do you want to create? Uh, there's two folds. Some that are selfish and some that are, I guess, benevolent. I want better for my community. I want better for people just in general, meaning I want people to know that they can be they can better themselves and never think that there's a plateau. There's always more you can do. I think people always feel like, man, I, there's only as far as I can go for on this issue or this. And I, to me, it's, there's no way you can always do better. The man, the human race has always gone further. Every time someone tells Every you, time. you just go further. So at some point, someone said to people, you can't fly. And that's not true. Yeah. Going to space. Soon we're going to go to Mars. So at some point, one crazy person said, we can do it. And it just happened. So there's no way you should limit yourself to one thing or limit yourself to go, I can only go that far. It's not true. You can go further. Mm -hmm. Everybody can go further. So I hope that me sharing my story helps people go further. Me, if you, the way I think, if you ask me, why or whatever, but this is the steps I took to get there or whatever else. And I, and selfishly, I also living in Montreal has always been beneficial for me. It's such a hub of multi-ethnic amazingness that I think even Canada as a whole, but like, I think that where I live is so unique that you're just with everybody all the time. So it's, it's, it's almost like being with so many people of so many different races. I, if I go, every street corner is a different ethnicity. Like, there's no way you're not with anybody. Like, you, the food is different. Like, even oh, the, you know, your food is definitely it's, different. It's insane. <laughs> it's amazing. Crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> I, I hear white people speaking in Creole and whatever else. Like, it's it's so much different. And I think that that's something that's how I grew up here in, in Florida, which is, that's a lot of Quebec people in Florida. <laughs> and I think, I think that that's something that I always wanted to showcase to the world. Yeah. That Montreal is such a unique place. There's such, there's so much that people can learn about how we live here. Yes, it's not perfect because it's not, yeah. but it's so unique that I think people should know. And I think selfishly, Part of me wants to just make sure that I, I champion Montreal as much as I can. I think it's great. I think that that's absolutely great. And it's, it's not selfish at all. Yeah, it's kind of selfish. <laughs> there's, you know, there's, there's other people. There's other, like I, I'm self-professed the, the greatest Montrealer ever. I will say this till the day I die. Is it real? I mean, it's real to me. But I mean, that's selfish. That's the thing. <laughs> so I, I think that my ultimate goal is to help people with whatever message I have. Yeah. Well, you know what? We 
you're doing that and you're continuing to do that. And we can't help others until we do what we can to be our best selves. And I think exactly. about this is that like, we have to be the best version of ourselves in order to make an impact on others to show them what's possible. Not everybody's going to agree or mm-hmm. follow or, or see that, mm-hmm. but we do more, we do more by showing than we do by telling. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You're right. Yeah. I, I think, I mean, I think no matter what, whether I impact somebody positively or negatively, if I reach someplace and you feel that's inspiring and you follow, that's great. If you think I reach someplace and you think I don't want to do that, I'm going to do it differently. That's also good. It's also I feel good. that's fine. Like no matter what, but I still want to reach those places so people can see where I am and go either I agree with it or I don't like go and then I decide what path I'm going to take based on that. But I, that's not going to stop me from reaching where I'm going. No, that is, you're also unattached to what someone, um, what they do with it. And Mm -hmm. I think that was learning that word and learning how to really embrace that word made a big difference is that I'm Mm -hmm. not attached to, I mean, of course I want to inspire you to make change, but I'm not attached to what you choose to do with it because that's on you. It's not me. Exactly. Because I, I don't, if I think if people are going into it, going, I'm going to, what I'm doing is supposed to impact everybody this way. I don't, I think that's the wrong way to do it. I, think, I don't think that works for anybody. That's no. like, it's crazy. It's, that's, it just doesn't make sense. But if I'm doing my best to be me and that works again, if it unlocks anything in anybody, then that's fine. That's, mm-hmm that's good, but it's not stopping me from doing anything. It's not, I'm just being my best self. I'm literally just pushing myself to be the best person I can be. I love it. I absolutely love it. Where can people connect and follow you and find you? Where, where do you hang out mostly? Oof, uh, I'm mostly the easiest places on Instagram. That's where I post most of my things, which is at NLDG on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And I also host a podcast called the all dress special. That's on iTunes, Spotify, and any place you get podcasts. I looked at that. I looked that up before I because I was like, "What else does he do?" I wanted to see. Uh, so many. Um, uh, my most of my work is on neldi.co. Mm-hmm. I want to get the .com, and it's still locked by someone who's had it for eight years. Really? Oh, it's great. It's it's trust me. It's it's been a constant uh, battle. If the day I have it, I'll be so happy. But. <laughs> Kudos to the person who keeps renewing Neldi.com. <laughs> you are you are escaping me every year. And one of these I'm, years, though. Oh, oh, one of these days when I get it. Oh, oh. <laughs> we will all celebrate and hear about it. Exactly. Oh my um, god, I love this. I mean, I love aside it. from that, I mean, I'm anywhere. Just okay. find me. Find my name. I'm 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 here. Well, you're definitely, I was um, saying before how your post on Instagram, I don't know what day it was. It was a few days ago and it was just, it was memorable. I mean, I see it in stories everywhere. So I know that it was, was it's not even just the visual of what you did with the flag. It was the, the words that went with it were very powerful. You're a very good writer. (laughs) I thank you. I I don't know that that is true. (laughs) I just wrote how I felt. 
I, I don't think I ever, that's the thing that I didn't want to do. I didn't want to post to post. I didn't, oh, I, want to be, uh, I didn't want to be the influencer who has to say something because I didn't need to say anything. It's not, mm-hmm. I, didn't, I didn't feel like it was my obligation to say something. I just felt like I had something to say that I needed to put out. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's and how it came across. Yeah. Is it, it didn't come across as, okay, I feel obligated that yeah. I have to say something. And that's, mm. that's not how it um, came across yeah. at all. I'm glad that's happened. And I'm glad that it resonated with people. And, and I mean, that's my hope that I keep doing, I keep doing art that resonates with people. Mm-hmm. Yes. No, keep doing it. Keep doing it because it's working. Keep doing it because it's working. Well, I have loved having you on the show and I've loved um, our whole conversation. I appreciate you being as honest and candid as, as you can because I think that's how we can create more and more change. I have one question that I want to ask you and it's the last question and it's what lesson in life are you most grateful for? Did I stump you? Oh, I'm trying to pick between the two, but I, I think it's resiliency. Mm-hmm. You are more than you think you are. Like it's I I can't say that I've it's been easy getting to where I am. No. There's been stumbles, there's been setbacks, there's been heartbreak, there's been everything there's days where like i literally would just sit and just i tearfully angry tears i'm not supposed to be here i'm not supposed to be this and resiliency makes you go forward mm-hmm. it's belief that you can do better and i think that's the thing that's carrying me forward i love that you cannot um i ran an entire workshop on resiliency you cannot build resiliency until you get back up Yep. Like you have to, it's, it is a, the process of getting back up over and over and you only get back up because you keep doing things and failing and trying, yep. and failing and trying. So that's, you can't, you can't build resiliency standing still. Mm-hmm. You got to work at it and you got to yeah. fall and you got to claw out those holes and you get, you're going to get muddy and bloody and hurt and whatever else. But then once you get out, yeah. once you get there, it's, it's everything. It's everything. Okay. Just knowing that you can get there pushes you so much further. It does. So much. It does. Oh, I... I, I I'm never worried about anything. Like, I'm making it. I just... Because I'll make it myself. I'm, I'm making it. Like, Your mental game is, like, so on. I don't know how else to say it. Because you guys can't see me watching in our conversation we're, we're having with each other. <laughs> but your mental game, like, and that just shows that you've done the, you've done a ton of internal work. You can't yeah. have a mental game and, and without doing some kind of internal work and know who you are and know what drives you and know what you're here to do. Like, that's internal work. That's, that, that's work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I think you're... I I still feel like I'm a work in progress. Meaning, oh. I know there's a there is a lot of work that had that there's a lot of work. I mean, I'm nowhere near the person I was a year ago, two years ago, four, five, ten. Like I I, I, couldn't, yes. I couldn't be. No, I just there's no way I wouldn't survive. Mm-hmm. But I I also think that there's so much more work I can do. There's I'm I'm. 
I'm happy to be able to be someone that is very introspective so that I can fix things and stop and go assessing, okay, what's happening now? What am I feeling now? And I think that's my greatest asset. But I also think that that's not an easy place to be. And it took, a, it took a while. There, right? yeah, you, you can't, can't stay, stay there. there. And I think that that's it. I think it's an asset that you do it, but you can't stay there because that's mm-hmm. not, that's, you don't produce from that space. You don't mm-hmm. change from that space. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah I, I, I can relate and I can understand because I can be very introspective sometimes. And yeah. Not careful. That also can mean your, your worst critic, your <laughs> yeah. judgment, like all of those things come from you, but that doesn't create change so you can't stay in that space yeah you're right yeah well thank you so much for being here today honestly and for all of your time and all of your nuggets and what you shared with us today i know this is going to be a very powerful episode thank you thank you for having me again my pleasure Thank you so much for tuning in to the Own Your Choices, Own Your Life podcast. If you love this episode, please submit a rating and review on iTunes and please share it with someone you think could benefit from hearing this message or this podcast. I love connecting and meeting you. So please screenshot the episode and tag me on social media or Instagram stories at Marsha Van W. And until next time, remember when you own your choices, you truly own your life.